Ray Ray Lucchese here with Keith Townsend. Welcome to another sponsored episode of the Greybeards on Storage podcast. This Greybeard on Storage podcast is brought to you today by Hitachi Ventara and was recorded on April 17th, 2020. We have with us here today Colin Gallagher, VP of Digital Infrastructure Solutions Product Marketing at Hitachi Ventara. So Colin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's new at Hitachi Ventara Digital Infrastructure? Thanks, Ray. Good to talk to you again. Um, I am a 15-plus year storage industry veteran. Came out of business school, went into went into storage. Told myself I was going to stay for two years, and ended up staying for you know a decade and a half or, or more. Um, but I'm I'm excited to talk about what we've got new at Hitachi Ventara about uh, major updates to our mid-range storage portfolio, um, both in terms of hardware and software and purchasing options. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what's new in mid-range. We, I'm proud to welcome into the VSP storage family the new virtual storage platform E990. It is an all NVMe high performance uh, storage rate, really designed to help businesses accelerate mission critical applications and take that step affordably into NVMe. It's, it's pretty unusual to see mid-range with all NVMe um, configuration these days, don't you think? Or... Yeah, Are you I mean, seeing a need for it? I guess that's the question I should ask. Yeah, that was that was one of my first questions when I saw the announcement. I'm like, wait, hold on, mid range system, all NVMe? That just that seems like a mismatch. Not really. I mean, I think you know, NVMe is sort of you know started out as a high end technology, but it is migrating down, much like Flash migrated, you know, in 2009, 2010, 2011, down as well. Um, so we are seeing, you know, we are seeing customers in the mid range looking to deploy it. Um, a lot of it is about future proofing. Customers know that NVMe is where the future of storage is going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, and so they want some, and they want something down that way. Um, I will admit that you know the E990 sits at the high end of our mid range portfolio. Um, so we do know it's sort of what we call the bridge range that sort of sits between, you know, a, a medium to large scale um, mid-sized customer and a small enterprise customer. So it is, you know, it is coming down. But but to your point, it isn't, you know, it isn't something you're going to put in a, in a remote office branch office, you know, to support a, uh, you know, a terabyte or two. So, it, so does the solution have pretty much the same levels of functionality as your your, your bigger solution systems and stuff like that? Yeah, that's one of the joys about working at Hitachi Ventara is that we have a common storage operating system and management across the, the storage portfolio, be it, you know, our, our small 2U, you know, um, remote office or, you know, edge data center products versus as same as our, you know, the VSP 5000, which we introduced in October, which is sort of the most powerful, scalable enterprise storage around all run the same um, storage virtualization operating system. And what we were able to do with the E990 is we took the NVMe enhancements we made for the VSP 5000 in October, um, you know, as well as a bunch of other enhancements, and we brought those down to a dual control architecture to design the E990. Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the, talk to me a little bit about performance. And NVMe has got you know, serious performance uh, levels of functionality, right? Yeah, what the E990 delivers tr um, tremendous performance and predictable performance with NVMe as well, right? Because part of NVMe is not just about the total IOPS, but it's about delivering consistent latency as well. And so we support, we deliver up to 5.8 million IOPS with the VSP E990, and as latency is as low as 64 microseconds. 64 microseconds is better than any latency out there in, in, in existence, right? It is. And actually, it's slightly better than the VSP 5000 series from which we took the architecture, but we get a little bit of extra performance boost when we only have to focus on two controllers instead of the full scale up. 
Yeah, this is impressive. Talk a little bit about, you know, some of the changes that had to go in in order to support. It seemed like there was a lot in the cash space or... So yeah, so there are a bunch of cash enhancements as well as a bunch of other resiliency enhancements that we did um, in the E990 um, really to help maximize you know, availability and performance simultaneously. We eliminated dedicated um, cache boards and cache is now distributed across the individual nodes for faster access. We also eliminated write-through nodes so we can keep um, latency sensitive applications online um, at all times and a bunch of other things. So um, for example, we have, uh, we've increased our flash rebuild times by 80% versus our previous mid-range systems. So this is fat, faster flash rebuild. Is that, is that what we're telling me? Particularly, yeah. 80, did you say 50% or 80%? 80%, 80%. Okay. And that, you know, some of that's due to the, to the faster devices, obviously, but there's other functionality that's been introduced in order to do that, no doubt. No, totally. And a lot of, I mean, we did a lot of cache optimization. We did a lot of code optimization and for performance and availability with the VSP 5000. And we took a lot of those improvements and brought them into this platform. So, Colin, when I think of the VSP 5000, I was a former VSP 5000 customer in a previous life, and I think of a really, really big box. And when I think about this mid-market array uh, market, I think of much smaller boxes, you know, around 4U and the capabilities that you're talking about, I usually think of in these larger boxes. Talk to me a bit about packaging. It still matters. Well, it does. And I think that, you know, there, there are, particularly as we move to, you know, more and more digital business, I'm thinking of the environment we're living in today, most of us are operating entirely digital now, um, for better or for better or for worse. Um, as we move to more digital business, performance becomes more and more important uh, because that's what drives a consistent and superior digital experience. And so, you know, Customers who might have said, I can get by without, you know, uh, you know, top-notch performance in the past are now actually demanding it because that's what they're basing their business on, no matter what size customer they are. And so by delivering that performance, but in a smaller package with some of the things that a smaller customer may not need, like no mainframe support, um, um, but it allows those customers to, to deliver that consistent and superior experience without having to, to sacrifice. And so that, that, that smaller package, does that include like a certain number of drives? And you, I, I, did you mention the size of the unit? I don't know if you did. He did. He said for you. So it is for you. Sorry. I assume I... <laughs> no, I was saying, I, I was questioning whether or not it was for you. I'm thinking, am I going to get all of this in for you or not? It, 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 it isn't for you. We do support an expansion chassis as well, but it starts out at for you. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you, it goes, it scales from as low as six terabytes to up to 16 petabytes of virtualized um, um, and virtualized capacity, um, and that virtualized effective capacity in that, sorry. Um, and, you know, we can start as low as, you know, four or eight drives and then scale all the way up to 96 within the box and then add additional virtualized capacity because, again, all of our VSP products support storage virtualization. So, Colin, talk to me about, you know, total footprint, because this this matters in this mid-scale market. I don't have racks and racks of space. How, how much can I get in a single, like, rack? You can get up to 96 NVMe drives in, in 6U. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you're gonna make and you're gonna make the marketing guy do that do the, the math calculations right now on the call. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so what is it? Ten terabytes each. So that's that's almost nine hundred sixty raw terabytes. Is that kind of number? Yeah, and um, then and then talk to me about data reduction. There's some something about data reduction in here, right? Yeah, totally. Um, we 
we, we have what we call our, our advanced data reduction available on this platform as well. Again, this is technology we designed for the 5000 series and brought here. Um, as you know, as we all know, NVMe isn't the cheapest storage media on the planet. Right? And so you need efficient data reduction to help make it uh, more affordable. Um, and so what we have is a really um, interesting and smart data reduction capability um, that allows us to leverage AI um, to decide how to do the best dedupe. Um, you know, when you design a storage system, a lot of times you have to choose which algorithm and how you're going to do it. We actually have a selection of algorithms we can apply in, in different ways to the data as it comes in. So the data is written to cache. It is compressed immediately. Sorry, Ray, give me a second. And then, and then, and then, then the AI kicks in and decides whether to do inline post-processing or offload processing for the, the deduplication. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when you say best, I'm thinking best compression, best deduplication. But what you're talking about is best performance. Well, but best balance of performance and efficiency, right? Because you know, so if you take, if we have a highly, you know, highly random, you know, um, workload that comes in. Right. That could, you know, trying to do that in line could slow the system down. Um, so that's something that's best handled in post-processing. And our algorithms will detect the randomness in the IO stream and, and shift that to post-processing. Talk to me. So, I mean, Hitachi has always been known for rock solid reliability and availability, bar none, and that sort of environment. Does this uh, mid-range solution uh, inherit a lot of those characteristics? Absolutely. It's built on the same architecture as we've built our other platforms, um, you know, um, and it leverages the same software as well. So it, um, we let we uh, bring our 100% data availability guarantee to the platform as well. It's a 6.9 platform designed for high availability, and we guarantee that um, for all of our customers that, you know, we will not lose any of your data. Again, I think six nines is like enterprise class level stuff here for mid-range. This is pretty impressive. Yeah, again, it gets back to, you know, the expectations of what a mid-range customer needs have changed over the years, right? Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, um, Clay, Clay, Chris, Clayton Christensen's innovator's dilemma, right? You know, the, the needs always continue to scale up. And, and so that's what we're seeing happening in the market again today is that not only they're demanding, they're demanding performance and availability that used to be reserved for the, you know, the highest tiers. So when I when back in my SAP days, we usually look at these mid-range systems and we thumb our nose up to them for these very reasons. Like I couldn't get five lines out of them, let alone six nines. That, that's an amazing claim. Talk to me about how Hitachi Ventura has been responding to this expanding market, not just from, I'm throwing a, a curveball at you, not just from the storage capabilities, the speeds and feeds, but helping customers take advantage of this because you're pushing a product down into a mid-range market that's going to get the attention of, you know, application teams like SAP or big Oracle heavy databases as enterprise class services. I may not always have kind of a, 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 the skill set to to take advantage of this. What are you guys backing up from a services perspective? You know, so we deliver a full set of services. And I think that's something that, you know, distinguishes Hitachi Ventara from some other competitors in the market who sort of brought NVMe out there is because customers do need a full set of services capability. Uh, you know, not just installation, but consulting services, migration services to get on the platform, right? <laughs> you know, it's not just about buying the box, but getting your data from your old box to it. Um, yeah, I've found that we've had the same boxes side by side for years because that people underestimate how hard it is to actually migrate the data from one platform to another. 
Yeah, so Colin, could you talk a little bit about if have you made any enhancements to the operational characteristics of these solutions? Yeah, so we announced Hitachi Ops Center um, alongside the VSP 5000 in October. Um, and Hitachi Ops Center was a, a focus for us on a new way of managing your data storage infrastructure. And I'm using those words specifically, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, but you know, because we announced it, it was it applies to all of our virtual storage platform ar arrays. But because we announced it alongside the VSP 5000, people assumed incorrectly that it was only for enterprise customers. So as part of this, we um, we're talking about Op Center again. There are some improvements to it as well. But what we really want to share is what Op Center brings to any customer, including mid-range customers, is the power of AI ops. And what AI Ops allows you to do is to leverage machine learning and AI to better manage not just your storage arrays, because we certainly deliver that as well, but the entire data path. And so Ops Center is designed to, it has your basics, it's a suite of, of products of four. It has Ops Center Administrator, which allows you to do your basic element management. It has new to the, the suite Ops Center Protector, which is our copy data management um, capabilities. But And those are particular to the storage, but we also have in it, Hitachi Ops Center Automator and Hitachi Ops Center Analyzer. And those allow you to automate the entire data path as well as analyze and monitor the entire data path. And so those are really cool things that allow customers to do things like manage a petabyte of storage with a single person, right? Because you're no longer being able to having to fine tune manual knobs within a system and then configure zoning separately and configure you know, virtualization or monitor virtualization separately. You can do that from all from one console. And so these sorts of things eliminate a lot of manual steps in configuring solutions and stuff like that? Is that? The, they eliminate the, the majority of manual steps. You know, the example I like to give is, and again, this is something that applies to mid-range customers, you know, configuring an, a shared data store for ESXi. Typical activity, right? <laughs> Typical, yeah, typical activity, typical activity, we, we've all done it. Uh, even the marketing guy did it briefly. Um, I, I realized I wasn't the best administrator and got into other things, but um, um, <laughs> and I'm not the best coder either. That's another failed career for me. Um, but, the, um, but you know, th there are multiple steps and it's not just provisioning the storage. You may have to do zoning work. You may have to make host, host configurations. You know, there can be up to 54 manual steps in doing that work, right? And it's spread across multiple different vendors' infrastructure. Fabric and storage and VMware, et cetera. Exactly, right? Yep. And what we can do with OpCenter is we have, you know, 50-plus built-in um, templates for, for automation with, with OpCenter. One of those templates is for provisioning an ESXi data store. And so with, by executing a single command to leverage that single template, we can, we can provision that entire, path, that entire path and eliminate all 54 of those steps. Not only do we, does it speed up the process, but it makes it more error-proof because every manual step you add to a process increases the chance for human error. So, Colin, APIs are all the reach these days. So, you know, me being able to perform this provisioning via Terraform and all of the cloudy terms and tools, the, is there open APIs to be able to access these capabilities? Yep. We provide a full set of APIs, sort of both, you know, northbound as well as east-west. Uh, you know, how, how do we manage that, um, the monitoring of the fabric or the configuration of the fabric? We do that through APIs. Um, the same thing, the same thing for, for virtual machines, the same thing for even some application capabilities as well. And those APIs are available to uh, for integrations for the other platforms? 
Exactly, exactly. That's what we do. Is we we have a great set of tools in OpCenter, uh, and we think we have a great GUI, but we know that customers may have standardized on other tools to manage their infrastructure. They may have other things in their environment. So we expose all these analytics and automation and management capabilities up through a robust set of APIs so you can plug these into a bunch of other tools should you need, need it. We actually show a demo of leveraging a chatbot in ServiceNow using the APIs to provision and monitor storage with just a, sim a few simple clicks. You mentioned Analyzer is another um, component, I guess, of OpCenter. What, what does Analyzer do for you? It's about really providing you know, telemetry analytics across the data path and then allowing you to, to action on them accordingly. Um, it, you know, it really falls into two major capabilities. The first one is you know, root cause um, analysis and resolution. You know, it provides you an end-to-end -end view of the infrastructure. It allows you to highlight and monitor, you know, capabilities. Um, you know, you can set thresholds for, for particular resources or workloads, you know, I.O. Um, response times, cache rates, capacity limits, et cetera. Um, but then once a problem is detected, you can actually go in and use it to quickly diagnose the problem to eliminate potential false positives, get a historical view of what's going on across your entire data path. So again, it leverages those APIs and pulls in switch information, pulls in some server information. And we have AI built in here as well. And we have an AI heuristic engine that will actually help identify the cause of the performance problem and suggest problem resolution for most common issues. Mm -hmm. You mentioned AppCenter was uh, was across the VSP product portfolio, as well as other digital infrastructure. You want to talk about what the other digital infrastructure might be in this case? Or? Yeah, sure. It, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's the VSP storage systems, obviously, um, but it is, you know, fabrics from Cisco and Brocade, right? Multiple types of virtual machines, applications such as Microsoft and Oracle, um, all of these capabilities, you know, all the things you would normally interact with on a day two or day one operation managing a storage environment. So we're we're talking about digital landscapes. I hate to be the jerk that brings up pricing. Packaging, like packaging matters in today's day, everyone is talking about pay-as-you-go, OPEX, et cetera. How has Hitachi Venture transformed and allowed me to buy these mid-range systems, especially at the target market? I can see easily this sitting side-by-side -side or next in my colo next to a public cloud that's consuming this storage platform. But payment, how I pay for it matters. You guys uh, experimented with some type of pay-as-you-go model? Totally, yeah, and we are also announcing um, Everflex from Hitachi Ventara. Um, Everflex is a full set of choices for how you can consume infrastructure. Um, Everflex includes your traditional purchase options, lease options. It includes a utility model, which is that cloud-like model that you're referring to, and a full as-a-service consumption model as well. So how is that uh, measured? Like, what type of tools do you give me to manage and, 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 and view my capacity usage? Yeah, two things. So there's... There's, when people talk about cloud-like consumption or pay-per-use, they can mean one of a couple different things because you know, cloud. We all know cloud is a little bit nebulous and, and overly broad, broadly used. Um, but there, there are two ways in which people can be thinking about it. One is sort of that utility basis where they pay. They bought, you know, they would get the equipment they would normally buy in a capex uh, um, model, um, except they're paying for it on a usage basis on a um, on a month-to-month -month basis as well. Right. So they might buy an E9. They might want an E990. And instead of paying, you know, upfront and amortizing that over five years, they pay for what they use that E990 on a monthly basis. Uh, on a capacity level? On a capacity level. Exactly. Yes. On capacity level. Um, then there's the other sort of more advanced um, cloud-like model, which is 
you know, a true as a service where you're actually not buying a, you know, not buying a specific equipment, you're actually buying a service level, right? And we provide that as well with Everflex um, as a service. And there it's about, you know, meeting an SLA, regardless of what the underlying infrastructure is. So we offer you and both. SLA is like IOPS and data availability and, and response time stuff or? Exactly. Yes. Yep. You're kidding me. Yep. Okay. That's, I, I am. I, I expect you to say something far less capable than that. So I'm, I'm actually impressed. No, there too. And again, you know, customers fall in, in different buckets, right? The reason we have these four, you know, Everflex capabilities is because, you know, there's a continuum of consumption choices and some customers, you know, aren't ready to move off CapEx. It just doesn't fit their financial models. Some customers are actually experimenting with all models and some customers who are sort of born in the cloud and then have moved on-prem are looking for, you know, exactly what they used to buy in cloud where they can buy a certain amount of iApps per month. Um, though obviously on-prem it ends to be a little more affordable, right? This is pretty impressive for a mid-range solution, but it's it, it's really across the board, right? I mean, these sorts of functionality, this um, Everflex functionality, right? Yeah, and, and particularly mid-range customers are looking for more of that utility model, pay as you go. They don't they don't either have the capability or they don't have the financial ability to forecast four or five years out anymore. Their businesses are too dynamic, they're too changing. And what we find is that when customers actually move from a five-year, you know, um, CapEx purchase to a utility purchase, they can actually reduce their spend on infrastructure by 20% because they're not making, um, you know, judgment calls about what they're going to need five years down the road and overbuying capacity. Yeah, bigger, bigger costs, stuff like that. All right, well, this has been great. Keith, any last questions for Colin? No, I'm I'm just uh, impressed with the pay-as-you-go model. I, I did not expect it to be that mature. Good work. Well, I was going to say, I was gonna say Keith, that there's one secret thing I've been holding back from you, just to, you know, always save the best for last. You know, it's, not, it's, okay. not, it's not just about, you know, hardware and software, because, like, let's be honest, there are a couple other, you know, um, utility models out there in the market, right? Um, what, what, but what we can actually do is we can actually bundle not just the hardware and software in a utility model. We can bundle a, a wide variety of the services we mentioned offer uh, before, additional solutions, and truly allow you to purchase all of that on a monthly utility basis. So like installation services or consulting services and that sort of stuff? Installation, consulting services, monitoring services, right? Exactly, yep. Yeah, I was uh, the, the full full disclaimer. I kind of expected some high-level stuff. I was, again, a Hitachi uh, customer before, and I was used to buying services in this model. I'm just impressed with the, with the granularity in which they've gone with it now. So it's pretty impressive. Right, right. So, Colin, anything uh, else you'd like to say to our listening audience before we close? No, I just think we've got great information on HitachiVentaro.com about all of this. You know, we did a great introduction here. Thank you, guys. But obviously, there's more information. I've got a great technical blog posted, so go check that out. Um, and happy to answer, you know, any questions, you know, in the Twitter sphere. I'm at, at WorldC3, WorldC, letter C, 3, number 3, um, on Twitter. Okay. Well, this has been great. Thank you very much, Colin, for being on our show today. And thanks to Hitachi Ventara for sponsoring this podcast. Next time, we will talk with another system storage technology person. Any question you want us to know, want us to ask, please let us know. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends about it. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as this will help us get the word out. That's it for now. Bye, Keith. Bye, Ray. And bye, Colin. Thanks, Ray. Have a good day. Thanks. <laughs>